This is the OTP, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving members and protecting their health for 75 years. Learn about our Tennessee roots at fbhp.com. I'm Mike Keith, and this is a very special OTP because we got to take part in a very special luncheon on Wednesday, November the 9th. And that is our Salute to Service Military Appreciation Luncheon, where we welcome Titan Season ticket members who have served in the military. It's one of my favorite days of the year because we get to honor some people who gave for us and make what we do every day possible through their service. So I gathered Coach Dave McGinnis, Amy Wells, and Rhett Bryan and conducted a bit of a roundtable discussion at the halfway point of the Titan season. Some thoughts on different parts of the year and where things can go, and even some thoughts about the Indianapolis Colts. That's what you're hearing now on the OTP. I'm Mike Keith. Welcome to Nissan Stadium, home of the AFC South leading Tennessee Titans. Our salute to service military appreciation luncheon is one of the favorite things that we get to do all year because we get a chance to honor season ticket members who have served us and make days like this and Sundays like the one upcoming possible. To everybody in the room who has served our country, men and women, can we give them all a big hand right now, please? Thank you. I have an esteemed crew here with me today, and what we are going to do is we are going to give you a very in-depth mid-season report on your Tennessee Titans. So I will bring them up one by one and hope that you will recognize them as positively as possible. Uh, up first, a gentleman who has been with Titans Radio for 25 years. There have been 486 Titans radio broadcasts. He has been a part of all 486. Please say hello to the ever-reliable Rhett Bryan. She has been my broadcast partner for 10 years on TV and now radio. She used to work for the Colts and the Ravens, but But she changed, and she's here now, and she's a big part of what we do on Titans Radio and all of our television programs and the official Titans podcast, better known as the OTP. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Amy Wells. And you know him well. He is the mayor of Nissan Stadium. He is the most interesting man in the NFL. He is the backbone behind Titans Radio. We call him Titans Radio's head coach. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Dave McGinnis is here. Have a seat. <laughs> coach Mack, welcome. Thank you, Mike. Uh, okay. You got to come through the middle here. Amy's got me blocked She's off. She's got you blocked off. I didn't step 
All right, so I said there was good news. I said there was good news, and I'm going to make sure that everyone knows what that good news is. I'm going to read it from the release. From about 30 minutes ago, right? The Tennessee Titans made the following transaction today. Return to practice remains on injured reserve. Wide receiver Traylon Burks. Yes, sir. Woohoo! All right, so Coach Mack, let's yes, just now it doesn't mean he's gonna play Sunday against Denver. He could. They'll have to activate him. Uh, Elijah Molden did this last week. Right. And he did not play in the game at Kansas City, so it's not automatic. But if Traylon Burks can come back this week. What does that do for the offense, for the receivers, for everybody involved? Well, Mike, the first thing that it does, even if he's out there, no matter how many times he's targeted, he's going to draw interest from the Broncos secondary. That will open up some things for some other people. He had a turf toe. That's what happened to him. He got a turf toe in Indianapolis, and sometimes those things are varying degrees. They can be really debilitating for a long time, and then all of a sudden start getting very much better incrementally. So the fact that he is to be coming back off of injured reserve is a really good sign there. And if he is activated, he will be part of the plan, believe me. We get to watch practice. We get to watch practice every day. So we will see, you know, how much he gets to work out there. But the fact that he is coming back off of injured reserve, this is kind of what we need for all of our guys to start getting our dudes back out on the field for this last push. So you're saying even if he doesn't catch a bunch of passes, he still potentially makes a, a difference in the offense? Yeah, you got to cover him. You're going to have to cover him, and, that, and that's what the, the Denver Broncos will do. They, they watch the waiver wire, too, and so they know wherever we line him up, they're going to have to at least put one person over there on him because they don't know how healthy he is or, or where his stage of, of development is coming back off the toes. So if he's out there, it's a help just to begin with. All right, so let's start with a moment of truth here. When you saw the Titans' schedule in May, did you think the Titans would be 5-3 and three right now based on what everybody does where you go, okay, this win, maybe not, this win, this win. Um, did you think this is where the Titans would be through eight games? Amy, you get to go first. I kind of did, actually. This really? feels pretty spot on to what I thought. And I even went back and looked at the schedule again just to kind of think about it and kind of see how close I was. And, yeah, five and three feels about what I expected for this Titans team. Coach? Yeah, this I'm going to do what Amy always does when we have a round table with the four of us. She always does. She changes the rules a lot. There aren't and, any rules. And, and so – and. We'll talk about that later, Amy. <laughs> We've got a podcast together, and you guys know it's called Titans Amy, Coach Mac Podcast. I, I, I beg the people, don't put my name first. I'm scared of her. Just let, let, let it be. Anyway, <laughs> Mike, is this beginning of the season when everybody's healthy? We've got all our dudes. I, I looked at this schedule, and I thought, you know what? After eight games, six and two would be really nice. Okay. Now, with all the injuries that we've had, especially when we've been without some major, major contributors, and we've been without our quarterback for two straight games now, five and three is an amazing accomplishment right now at this point. And that's why your point as far as Traylon Burks coming back and starting to get some of our guys back where we can start getting some engine going again with some of our, our top-line performers but at the beginning of the season, I would have thought everybody healthy, six and two. Rhett? 
I did have the Titans at around five and three after I looked at what I put down when the schedule came out. Um, when you consider, and all due respect to Indy and Houston, not, um, <laughs> that I thought they should be able to take care of business there. Um, and then you think about Washington. Now, I, you know, I didn't know what to think about the Buffalo game on the road or this past Sunday night in Kansas City, knowing that those were top teams in the division. But when you look at who else was on the, the slate, uh, five and three is good, but uh, Coach Mack puts it right. With what the Titans have been through injury-wise, it's a great spot to be in. All right, Rhett, stay with you. Who's the player who's been your biggest surprise through eight games? He's a defensive player, and he's a rookie. It's Roger McCrary, the cornerback from Auburn. This young man, at one point during this first eight games, led the team in tackles three straight games. Had two games with double-digit tackles. He had eight the other night, a pass breakup, his first interception, and it came on Sunday night football in Kansas City against Patrick Mahomes. This young man never seems to be rattled, um, and he seems to get better every game. He is even better than what we thought the night that he was drafted, and you put him opposite Christian Fulton, and this secondary is in really good shape between those two and uh, Kevin Byard and Imani Hooker. Coach? Tier Tart. Tier Tart. Everybody know who Tier Tart is? You yeah. should. Uh, look, this guy, there are guys that do the dirty work in the National Football League on a team that don't get the headlines a lot. And especially with what we've gone through with the in and out of our guys on the edge, he and Jeffrey Simmons together on the inside have really hung tough through these eight weeks. And Tier Tart has improved more than any player that we've had in the last two seasons. Wow. When he first came in here, Tier Tart could not hit a sled. And I'm not lying because he went to about 78 junior colleges before he got here. I mean, his, his route here was really, really hard. But for him to be able to stick with it and to have the fortitude to keep working, and then, you know, Terrell Williams, our, our, our defensive line coach, does a great job with these guys. He really does. And Tier Tart has become a major factor, especially in our run defense, which is really, really good now. You guys all heard Mike Keith's call when he intercepted the pass. Uh, I thought he was going to jump out of the booth, you know, because <laughs> Tier, Tier, you know, for a big man, our defensive line does an extraordinary job of what we call matching hands with the quarterback. Because sometimes when you're, uh, they're going to block you and you're not going to be able to get into the quarterback, but you can affect the throw still. And for him to do that and plus then have the, have the wherewithal to be on his back and still intercept it, but this guy just keeps coming. I, I love those underdog stories in the National Football League from all the years that I coached. Those are the guys that I, I really appreciate what they're accomplishing, and Tier Tart's my guy. Well, Mike, when you asked the question, the first person who came to mind was Roger McCreary. The second person who came to mind was Tier Tart. So, great. Thanks, guys. So you don't even have one? No, I do, okay, actually. Good. So the third person that came to my mind was Nicholas Petit-Frere, and I say that because he is a rookie. He has been a consistent performer on the offensive line. He's been a starter all season. And he's a guy whose name you don't hear called a bunch, which as an offensive lineman is exactly what you want. And he's on a line that has 
seen some adversity this season. There have been some changes. There have been some injuries. And he's continued to be a consistent force. For a rookie to be able to do that and to not be a liability and to be someone who just continues to improve and continues to grow within that space, I think that's incredibly impressive. And I'm excited that he's a Tennessee Titan for the long term. That's a good one. Because yeah, he's going to be here for quite some time. Oh, you're getting a fist bump from Thanks, Coach. Matt. That's good. That's All right, really so Coach, you, you talk about in the draft, you project guys, you see what they can be. I'm going to kind of ask the three of you to do this now, and I'm going to get you to go first, Coach. Over the final nine games of the season, give me a player you think can make a big jump, can really help this club down the stretch. Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks. Traylon, Traylon Burks, Traylon Burks, that was hers. Traylon, Traylon Burks is a guy that was really coming into his own. We all know, we all know the, the struggles early when he was not in condition, when he came here, you know, early on. Then he came back and was in great shape, and you could continue to see him make strides. Rob Moore, our receiver coach, played for me when I was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and he really likes what this kid has done, especially the leaps and bounds that he, he's made. And he was just beginning to kind of touch that next level when he got the, the turf toe at Indy. So I think over this next stretch of nine, nine ball games and the fact that he is going to come off of IR, I think this guy can make a jump if he can continue to stay healthy because he was nearly right there to be able to make another jump. And so that's my guy. Uh, I think I took both of these guys person and it nope. makes me very happy that I went first can I change the rules just a little bit and, we know you're going to <laughs> and pick a position she's going to pick nine guys <laughs> no I'm not I'm just picking a position group as opposed to a specific human because that's not what it says here yeah, it says okay, so, who is the player that no, you believe think, can make a big <clears throat> can I can I just tell you mine go ahead okay so I think that it is the tight ends group as a unit I think that they can continue to be involved in the Titans offense with the return the tight ends the tight ends. for the not not the Titans the tight ends the for tight the ends titans. for the Titans okay yes. good it's hard guys it's hard being a broadcaster. I didn't know what you said I thought you said I think the Titans can make great well that would be the whole yeah, team I think the Titans can really improve <laughs> this year no I think the tight ends specifically within the Tennessee Titans offense I think there's a lot of opportunity for them to be used in different ways than we've seen in the first half of this season with the return of some receivers perhaps or well, with Derrick Henry being able to do a little more with some more consistency within the offensive line health is going to be a huge part of being able to get the tight ends to be more active in this Titans offense and we've seen it already um, we've seen Austin Hooper being able to make some big plays we've seen some of those things but I think there's an opportunity in the second half of this season to get them more involved in some of the exciting plays within this offense but do I know who specifically that's going to be no I'm not after the first play the other night it. it looked like it might be Chigakakwo yeah exactly I mean there are so many opportunities within that position group and I think we're going to see more of that in the second half of the season we'll allow it Thank you. All right. Rep. Bryant. Because of those two answers, and she alluded to it about Derrick Henry, that's mine. Derrick Henry can make a huge, huge run in this last nine games. And you're like, well, he's already making good runs. Yes, he's the leading rusher in the NFL. But if these other things are opened up in this thing, think about this. And I know he didn't really care about this, but there's nine games left. He has to average 125 yards rushing in those nine games, and he can get 2,000 yards again. And it's very conceivable that's a thing. He could drop 250 on Houston. 
I mean, who knows? But he I, has. I'm not betting on. I'm not betting against 22, and I think he can be a big, big difference in the last nine games of this season. I think that's really good. And, you know, Coach, I, I think the reason that I agree so much with that is we're starting to see him pop the longer ones. We're starting to see the 25s and the 30s. We saw a 56-yard run. And when he starts doing that, then you're getting into that place where you're saying, you know, the twos and the threes and the fours get added in with an 80. That average goes way up. Yeah, and here's, here's, here's what it's all about. And I, I know, and really, we really appreciate everybody here. You know, thank you for your service. But also, I walk around the tables before we started here. Thank you for listening to when we broadcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing that. And, and every table I went to, they said, hey, Coach Mack, we listened to you and Mike Keith and Amy and Rhett, and I, I, we really appreciate that. Look, you heard me say this a lot, and it's a truth. With a back like that that's going to draw everybody's attention, the thing that you have to do as an offense and as a game planner and then as an offensive line or a blocking unit, you've got to get him to his fourth step. No back in the league can do anything until they can get to their fourth step. And then once you do, what you start to see is now he's back there one-on-one -on, -one on maybe a linebacker at the second level, hopefully on a safety at the second level, and then it's him one-on-one -on -one, uh, to make a move. He made some great moves against Houston in some of those runs. But the offensive blocking unit, they are get, starting to get him to his fourth and fifth step. And that is critically important. So that's what you watch for, to see if that's starting to bend. And then when you're doing that, you can just see the will of the defenses you're playing start to wilt. Start to wilt. Because, I mean, it's like hitting a, hitting a rock with a sledgehammer. Sooner or later, you're going to crack it. And so to me, Derrick Henry, as long as we can continue to work ways, and, and what Amy said about the tight ends is really true. And we talk about trailing Burks. We open up some things downfield. Uh, football's all a numbers game, guys. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not complicated. It's detailed. I mean, it can't be real complicated because you're listening to me explain it, right? And so you know how smart I am. The thing about this is, though, once he gets to that fourth or fifth step, anything can happen, and he's going to break more than one. I really believe it. He's had a chance here lately, so uh, that's what I look forward to. All right. It's exciting to think that the Titans, even 5-3 and three and in first place in the division, are not yet a finished product. Rhett, you're going to get to go first. Where can the Titans improve the most as a team over the final nine games? Well, first of all, it's the, on, on the offensive side of the ball, and it's something that they've been lacking that's going to help them in a couple of areas, one of those being third down conversions. But where they can get help and improve is explosive plays. And it starts with a guy like Traylon Burks coming back into this thing. The tight ends are a big part of it because Chigaconco had one the other night. They get those, and they can have these long, sustainable drives. That helps a Derrick Henry. That helps the tight ends. That's a place that they have been lacking and they need more of, and I think a, a guy like Trillian Burks is a catalyst for that. I'd like to see him score some more points. <laughs> you know, and, Well, it sounds silly when you say it like that, but, I mean, really, I think I would like this Titans team to start separating that score a little bit more, get some more points on the board. The Titans have won some lower-scoring games, but not every game is going to be a lower scoring game, and that means scoring more points in the second half. That means trying to do some things to really get the offense cooking. It's, it's really amazing they've scored as many as they have 
right. with where the production has been. I mean, the Titans are maybe the only team in the NFL right now averaging more rushing yards than passing yards, and yet they're still averaging almost 19 points a game, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not bad. I mean, and a win's a win. I don't care if you score two points and win the sure. game. I don't care. But for the sake of the defense, for the sake of everybody, being able to go out, make plays that result in scores, that's what we need. It's a vertical stretch game. We've got to stretch the field more vertically. People are starting to bring people. Not, I mean, every time Derrick Henry steps off a bus in an away game or he comes down this tunnel at Nissan Stadium, you're going to have eight people packed on the line of scrimmage. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen again this weekend. We've got to get our vertical stretch game going. And not, that doesn't mean just all the takeoff routes. I mean, you, you saw Malik throw some really nice takeoff routes in that game against Kansas City that, that weren't caught. But he threw them and dropped them where they need to be. But you've got to be able to back a defense off. There are three layers of defense. There's the front line, depending on how many people they want to put up there. There's a second level. You see the linebackers are safeties, depending on where they're dropped down. And then it's the back end. But if you can vertically stretch an offense, that opens up so much more for you inside. Goes to Amy's tight ends. Working between the numbers opens up when you vertically stretch people. We need our vertical stretch game to get a little bit better. You know, it's funny because the majority of our conversation so far has been about offense. The defense is statistically middle of the pack, but it really doesn't matter because they are now being mentioned with the best defenses in the NFL in spite of the stats. Coach Beck, to start with you, what is it about what this defense is doing right now that's making it tough on opponents? Well, here's, here's why football people are talking about this defense, even though the numbers don't say – and, and look, yardage, guys, yardage can be very uh, deceptive anymore, especially the way things are. When I first started coaching, you know, a lot of years ago with the Bears, we had a goal to hold teams to 17 points or less. And we would do that 12, 13, 14 games a year. That's hard, hard to do. Now, you can't do that anymore. That's not, what, that's not how this game has evolved. But the thing about this defense is, and, and people involved in football, and you guys are sophisticated fans, you, you know this, when you're not getting a lot of separation of score, as Amy talks about, from your offense, and you're still able to hold in the game and still be able to, to flip the field, you know, which our, our punter's done a great job of, but you're able to go in there if a turnover and do what we call sudden change, give the ball back to your offense. They've done that repeatedly for eight weeks. That's when you start looking at a defense saying, this defense has a real backbone to them because they're being put in some really tough situations and they're flipping the script back at least in a favorable way. And so they, here's what they really do well. They're really tough. They're a really tough physical team and they don't mind. They don't mind standing in the middle of the ring and punching you in the face and taking some punches for four quarters. That's what everybody appreciates from them and that's why people are beginning to acknowledge what they are. It, Coach Max right about all of that, as he usually is. But you're right on the my, my point would have been the physicality of, of this defense, the toughness. I mean, all y'all saw it the other night. This defense, including the penalties, thanks Cleet Blakeman, a uh, hundred snaps. Some of these guys played. I mean, gave every single thing they had. And you're right, they just out physical guys. They will actually literally beat you up and that's the thing that you can't put on a stat sheet you just can't they'll just pummel you 
It's a bend but don't break mentality that I think has started at the very top with some of the leaders on the defense, you know, the Jeffrey Simmons, the Kevin Byards, um, those guys, and has trickled all the way down. I mean, there is no quitting those guys, and it, it's fun to watch them play because they're so tough and so physical, but I would guess it is really not fun to play against them because they will just out-muscle you until you cry uncle, which is what we've seen opposing offensive lines especially. It has happened time and time again. They, they just can't take it anymore. And for us to have guys who are that ferocious and who have a motor like that that can keep going even into the fourth quarter, it speaks tremendously to how they take care of their bodies, the way that they're coached, the just endurance that they have to be able to play at such a high level for four quarters. They can take some punches, but they can give them back with the same level of intensity throughout the entire game. And I think that that is something that not every defense has in, in its entirety. One amazing stat about the Titans' defense is they are blitzing less than any team in the league because they are actually getting more pressure with a four-man rush than any team in the league. Coach, why are they getting so much pressure with a four-man rush? Because they got dudes. And that's – and that's and that, well, I mean, that's it. Look, it, when I first came into the league, and I, we had five Hall of Famers on the Chicago Bear team. You think we were any good? And I do. When I came in, I was really young. I was very young. I knew nothing about it. All right. And after one season, just coaching those guys, I'm lecturing all over the country on defensive play because of I had dudes. All right. Now, and that's doing it without Harold Landry. But they've they've had some guys really step up. And if you can rush with four in this league, and cover with seven, as a former defensive coordinator, I'm telling you, life is good if you can do that, because there's so many iterations of coverages that you can, can work against an opponent. You saw it last week against Kansas City, the, the way they were working, uh, disguising coverages. But when you can rush with four, it's because they've got guys that understand. Our defensive line coach, I've already mentioned, I think does a tremendous job technique-wise. They run really well-coordinated games. And plus, you got, they've got, we've got about six or seven guys that are in a rotation in there that are really nasty dudes. I mean, and that's what you have to be. You have to be nasty to play that position. Coach Mack, explain games, if you would, please. Sure. What, what does that mean in terms of the defensive line? The, we're the four defensive linemen up here, okay? I'm the right end. Amy's Jeffrey Simmons. Rhett's Tierra Tart. Mike's Bud Dupree. And I'm just anybody they put in. Okay. <laughs> now... If you're the offense out there and, and, you, and we want to run a game, we want to run a TE stunt because we think we can really work this guard and this tackle here, Amy will give me a signal. She will – thanks, Amy. She will, she will take an outside shot to the outside shoulder to try to get the guard and the tackle to go with her. I'll take a couple of steps upfield to draw the tackle, and then I'm going to loop around as tight as I can around her. And on the other side, on the other side – uh, Tier Tart over here is working the center so he can't come back to block me as I come around. And the edge player over there, Bud Dupree, he's screaming around the edge so that they can't get any help from the other side. The, and then now we can run an ET. So I'll give Amy a signal. I'll start up the field, go underneath. She'll start. She'll wrap around. And they do it. They can do all four at once. They can do one side or the other. They can change their alignment. We can line up real wide. I'd slide this chair a little wider, but I'd fall off the stage. 
and can real wide to stretch them out, all right? And then they'll work the edge, uh, the edge on a uh, offensive lineman one on one. They do it so well, and they coordinate it so well. Comes with a lot of film study too. You've got. Are to those called by the coaches, or did they do them themselves? A coach? lot of it. A lot of it is called, but they have the ability to change it depending on what the set is that they see. Okay. The, what's up front? I mean, they have the ability to change that. And here's the other thing that's true: when you're studying tape. I mean, I want to be sure I can see every. When you're studying tape, all offensive lines guys have at least one pigeon, okay, that you know you can work one on one. If you got two, you got a great chance. If you got three that are just highway cones, you're going to have a great day, okay. <laughs> so, but you you study that, you study that who you can work and who you can go against, and and what you and so all of that comes with study, and then they work it in practice, and then you can see it in the games. I mean, as I said, I get to watch practice every day, so I know who they're going to pick on. I know how, who, how they're going to work. But to make it work in the ball game is really, really special. That's why they can do it, because they're very well coordinated. And as I said, they're doing it with, without their really be best edge rusher that, you know, that we lost before the season even started. Kudos to that group. But that's why this defense is playing so well, because they can rush four. Kudos to Coach Mack, everybody. How about that? That's good. That's why he's so great on Titans Radio. Now we're going we're gonna to go for a real, little Russell Wilson knowledge because when you were with the Rams, you were in the same division with Russell Wilson. You saw him probably 10 times total. Um, what must a defense do to handle Russell Wilson well? Yeah, when we went to the, I went to the Rams with Jeff Fisher. We're still in St. Louis. We built a defense to stop him in Seattle because that's what you have to do. You have to be able to, to get your roster to beat the best team, and they were. Russell Wilson is, was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes. His off-schedule plays are dangerous. I mean, and this guy, plus he's got a really, really good arm. I mean, he's got a major league arm. This guy can throw off-platform, and off-platform means he doesn't have to be both feet on the ground, picture-perfect form. He can throw off-platform to any area of the field, but his off-schedule plays and, and, and his ability to run are a real problem. Because then what has to happen, it becomes just like playing laser tag with your little brother in the backyard. If you're faster than he is, no matter what you run, he can't touch you. So in the back end, when he starts moving, so it's going to be really important. We talk about this defensive line. We always had a plan when we played Russell Wilson to cage rush him. And cage rushes are you take your two outside men and you squeeze the pocket. You don't run past the depth of the quarterback. Because that gives them another gap. And then you have your two interior people. So you've got four people and you've got five linemen. So one of those interior people has to be able to cover two gaps so there's not a, a place for a quarterback to step up. So the most important thing is cage rush this dude. Don't let him get outside. Don't let him escape to his throwing hand, which is his right hand. And then you've got a plaster in the backfield, which means once he starts moving, everybody's in man-to-man. -man. They did a tremendous job last Sunday night against Kansas City of plaster and coverage. A tremendous job. The best anybody's done because they had no explosive plays, you know, throwing the football. But Russell Wilson can't let him get out and start playing hully-gully football outside the pocket. Broncos have one of the best defenses in the NFL. They're giving up 123 yards rushing per game, but only 166 yards passing. They traded their best player to Miami last week during their bye week, Bradley Chubb, and yet 
they've still got several good pass rushers. So what or who stands out to you as you've begun studying the Broncos' defense? I'm going to do an Amy Wells here because I can, because she's my friend. <laughs> Three levels I'm going to give you. Their defensive front, Draymond Jones from, from Ohio State. Five and a half sacks. Five and a half sacks, third round pick. This guy's really coming into his own, really a good player that, that you watch. Alex Singleton is a linebacker that's from Montana State. Was the number one pick in the CFL. Then the, the Seahawks drafted him in the seventh round. All he's done is lead the team in tackles. Really a smart guy. And then in the back end, a guy that uh, everybody's familiar with here in the Southeastern Conference, you know, Patrick Sertain the second is a tremendous, tremendous corner that can, he's a true lockdown corner out there. And then I, I've got to give kudos to their young uh, defensive coordinator, Ijiro Ichiro. This guy has been in the league for 14 years, you know, came up, was a, was a uh, defensive quality control guy with the Tampa Bay Bucks and has worked, his, he's most recently with the Rams, really smart. Really smart, does a nice job of dissecting offenses. And so they've got really good coaching, and they, again, you're going to hear me say it a lot. You'll hear me say it on Sunday on the radio. They got dudes at every level that can make plays. They are going to be a hard nut to crack on Sunday here at Nissan Stadium because you feel like, Amy, their offense is getting better. Russell Wilson is getting used to the Nathaniel Hackett system. And, you know, they're, they've added some more pieces. They've certainly got receivers. The defense has been double tough all year. The Titans are going to have to be on point because the Broncos feel like a three and five team that could elevate during their last nine games. And that's what makes November and December football so much fun is that this is the time that some of those teams that maybe have had a down start or that had a brand new quarterback to their system or who had some sort of off-season changes, now they're starting to find their footing. So this is a chance for a lot of teams in these next two months to kind of take off and start to make those pushes towards the playoffs. For the Tennessee Titans, it's fun because you're going to start to see some good games and you're going to start to see some real talent coming in. And this team is also one that has found its footing and really has the opportunity to take off and has the cushion of being pretty successful in the first half of the season. So November football is, and December football is better than all other football in the world for that reason. And I'm excited to see this game on Sunday when it's two teams that I think are pretty well matched going up against each other. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Their offense hasn't found its rhythm yet, and that's what we hope doesn't happen on Sunday at all. Yeah, let him find to, it in a couple weeks. Let's do that. Great. Yeah, Because he's got weapons. Cortland Sutton, K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy at wide receiver. They have a rookie tight end, Greg Dulcich from UCLA, who is really starting to emerge. That game two weeks ago in London, four catches for 87 yards. He's becoming a target for Russell Wilson. But where the Titans' defense can do it right, and Coach Max laid it out with Cage rushing, they're down to their third different starting left tackle. Their second now center, because Lloyd Cushenberry, their starting center, is on injured reserve, and their backup right tackle. He's been sacked 23 times already this season. That's what the Titans have got to do is get him on the ground. All right, so let's do a little NFL talk here. Which of these is the most interesting story to you that you will be following during the second half of the season? A... Jeff Saturday becoming coach of the Indianapolis Colts with no previous coaching experience. B, Deshaun Watson returning from suspension to quarterback the Cleveland Browns for the final six games of the year. Or C, everything going on with Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. 
Well, all of those are fun. Yeah, well, that's why I picked them. So which which one will you follow the most closely? Oh, definitely Jeff Saturday being the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Because what in the world? Um, I, I mean, he's a very nice man. Were, were you there with him? Was no, he, I was not. He was not there. He but was not there when I was there. you did work with Mr. Earsay. I did work with Mr. Earsay. Um, yep, I sure did. So, <laughs> so... Behind the behind the curtain, um, I had texted Amy when they announced they fired Frank Reich, mm -hmm. and I said, because they did not announce a successor immediately. Usually, you say Jim Smith has been fired as the head coach, and Bob Williams will become the interim. It's well, in the same sentence. It's basically. in the same sentence with a comma, right? But there was no second part of the sentence. So I texted Amy and I said, "Do you think since they didn't name anybody?" that they might put Chuck Pagano, their former coach, who the owner loves, mm -hmm. back in as the interim head coach, to which you responded. I said, doesn't seem likely. They've got so many people with head coaching experience on staff, but who knows? Anything's possible. Nothing would surprise me. And then they surprised me. <laughs> I mean, uh, Jeff Saturday be a nice man, has no coaching experience. He's coached in high school, but I don't even think he was a head coach. In Dacula, Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's fantastic. It is and fantastic. I'm sure, he did a great job. But there is so much that goes into being a head coach that is beyond just being a good Amy, football player. We have a former NFL head coach sitting to well, your right. Mike, right. I was just about to well, ask you, him. Well, you take it from here. Well, no, I don't want to take it. I'll have I a sip of Coke Zero. Go right <laughs> I ahead. Don't, I don't want to take it, but I was going to ask. I mean, Mac, we talk about this all the time to the point where we'll be like, well, a guy, he was a good coordinator, but he wasn't a great head coach. Or, oh, he was a great position coach, but he might not be a great coordinator. There's so many other things that go into it beyond just X's nose, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's some unusual things. I've been in this league for 37 years straight. Some, I've been, I, I was a head coach for six hours and didn't know it for three at the Chicago Bears, okay? Let's start, with that, let's start with that story. And I worked really hard to get my first interview. I was in the league 12 years before uh, Tom Benson interviewed me at the New Orleans Saints. So clearly, you don't have to do anything to be a head coach in this league. I mean, really, seriously. We may have several head coaches sitting out here at these tables right now. I mean, that, that was a wow. And I'm, let me just give you my thoughts on this. And I'm sure all of you were aware of, I mean, Mr. Ursay lost his mind last year when they got beat by Jacksonville. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a rant that he made when his private plane jets were going on the tarmac that this is not going to happen. We've got to beat the Titans. We've got to get we've got to get tough. We can't be scared. This will never happen again. Then fast forward to this season that we've all experienced together and the Titans sweep them. The Titans sweep them, and all of a sudden now they're 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 firing they're firing their quarterbacks that they traded one away that they didn't like. Bring, bring Matt Ryan in, and all of a sudden they don't like him. Frank, all of, see, I think the Titans sweeping them this year broke them. I mean, we broke them, all right? And so doesn't bother me. <laughs> all right, well, let me take one thing seriously, though. If, 
if you're sitting where Jeff Saturday is right now in that seat and you're preparing to play Las Vegas this weekend, what's the first thing he has to get his arms around? Well, let, let's get this on Jeff Saturday, though. He was a really good player in this Yeah, league. and he's really smart. And a really smart and a really smart guy. He Look, he's got, he's got guys on his staff that have been head coaches. He's got Gus Bradley there. He's got John Fox there. They will all help him. It's not going to be on Jeff Saturday. Let's sure. get that out there. It's not going to be on Jeff Saturday. He'll, he'll have to, he's got to get, he's got to get a, you know, a, a line of authority established pretty quick as far as to what you know, he wants to do, who's going to call his plays. Who's gonna, but the basic thing that he's got to do is he's got to rally the troops. He's got, to let his, he's got to let his coaches coach. They've got good coaches up there. I'm just telling you. He's got to let his coaches coach. What he's, I've been an interim head coach in my career, too. It's not easy, all right? And it's really not easy if it's, if it's made during the middle of the season, which I did also, okay? So the first thing you have to do, you, him, Jeff Saturday, Coach Mack, whoever the interim head coach is, your job is to get the mindset of that locker room right, let your coaches coach. Let your coaches coach. They've already been working on game plans. You're not going to be involved in that. You've got to be the mentality, and you've got to, you have got to be the vibe coach. That's what you've got to be, and you've got to get your locker room right because make, make no mistake about it, they've got good players up there. They just hit a, a, a rough patch that, that, that sent the owner over the rails. Okay, so Jeff Saturday, get the locker room straight. Let your coaches coach. That's his job. All right, Red, I've got a theory on the Jeff Saturday hire. Okay. I think that Mr. Earsay is so consumed with the Titans that he just thinks he hired his Mike Vrabel. Well, good that luck. He, that he thinks he's yeah. hired this guy who relates. He sees Vrabel here. And let's face it. Nobody in the NFL has players that play for him like Mike Vrabel's players play for him. True. He is absolutely in touch with his guys. They, they enjoy playing for him. They believe in the message. I think that's what he thinks he's hired. He's forgetting the fact, quite possibly, that Mike coached at Ohio State, that he was an assistant with the – you know, with the Texans, and he was a coordinator, mm -hmm. and now he's been the head coach five years. He's kind of forgetting all that. But he's just thinking Jeff Saturday was to the Colts in that era what Mike Vrabel was to the Patriots, so I've just hired my Mike Vrabel. I buy your theory, and I'll tell you why. If we rewind to 2018, first of all, all the coaching hires in 2018 have all been fired except for Mike Vrabel, who is coach of the year, two division championships, as we have seen, multiple appearances in the playoffs, winning seasons. And if you'll remember, Mike Vrabel interviewed for the head coaching job for the Indianapolis Colts in 2018. They tabbed their guy to be Josh McDaniels, who stood them up and left them at the altar. And by the time they got back to Mike Vrabel, he was signing paperwork to be the head coach of your Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel's the one that got away. Well, and then they ended up with Frank Reich as sort of the yes. second choice. And look who they're playing this week. They're playing Josh McDaniels' team. Bingo. Kind of ironic. So what do you think? What do you think about that theory, Amy Wells? Mike, I really like that theory. Thank you. That's really good. I mean, that's strong. And 
I think that what he's looking for more than anything is someone who can, who A, he trusts because he has a very small circle anyway. So he wants one of his guys in there who he has a direct line to and someone who he feels can rally the troops. And I mean, realistically, of all people who could walk in and really get in with the guys and really rally a locker room, Jeff Saturday might be the one to do that. Well, that's why I said that's his job. Yeah, and so... That's uh, why he's there. I think that from that respect, I can see the line kind of, but from from a um, logistic perspective, from an actual X's and O's perspective, in some of the subsequent moves that they've made, I, I, I see this being a little chaotic. So I'll, I think the locker room might be there, but there still might be a little confusion day to day. I see your chaos, 100%, because I just look at the young man who's going to be calling the plays for them, Parks, Parks. Frazier, yeah. 30 years old, and they were like, who is Parks Frazier? Good. I'm with you. I didn't know until I read up on him last night. He was a quarterback at Murray State just up the road. He was an assistant coach for Rick Stockstill with MTSU just a few seasons ago. I don't know. I mean, I saw front office sports post basically his LinkedIn review and his, you know, LinkedIn page. I, this guy's going to be in for just a crazy week. I mean, and Sam Ellinger is a second-year quarterback who was sacked nine times last right. week. I mean, you talk about chaos. Well, you know, wow. Coach, I wondered if they wouldn't let Matt Ryan call the plays. Well, let me say this, though. Everybody up there. Jeff Saturday and all of those coaches, and really the players now, they're playing with house money. All the pressure is off. There is no pressure on anybody up That's there. That's true. That's a good they point. They are playing with house money right now. So are they dangerous or in retreat? Well, they're NFL players still. Hey, look, we beat them twice. We know how good those players are. Oh, yeah. And they've got, they've got le legitimate, legitimate dudes. And so, to me, Jeff Saturday can rally the troops. And really, you know, calling the plays, uh, you know, that'll be – they just have to get everybody on the same wavelength as to what they're doing because it has been nothing but chaos. And I go back to my original statement. The thing that started the crack in this wall, the big crack, the Titans sweeping them. If Coach Saturday, which feels like King Friday, which I'll never <laughs> King really King Friday the 13th, yes. <laughs> if, if, if Coach Saturday can get that locker room on board with him, they're dangerous. If some of those guys start to kind of check out because this seems nutso, um, then they're mailing it in. I wonder, drafting high. I wonder about coaches checking out. Yeah, I mean, Having this been is passed over and... Yeah, it's possible. Final thoughts, Rhett? My final thought is this. I am honored to be in front of every one of you today and to be up here with this panel. Uh, you, every one of you, understand the word sacrifice. And we wouldn't be sitting up here if it right. wasn't for your service to our country. And I am forever indebted to you. I cannot repay you enough for what you've already done. And I appreciate you being here today. Outstanding final thought. Red Bryan, Amy Wells, Coach Mack. Thank you all for being here, and thank you for your support of our Tennessee Titans. Let's go beat the Broncos on Sunday. Tighten up, everybody. Coach Dave McGinnis, Amy Wells, 
and Rhett Bryan at the Salute to Service Military Appreciation Luncheon for Titan season ticket members who had served in the military. Great day. We had a wonderful time and love doing these events, especially when they involve our season ticket members who have served. Remind you, too, that on the OTP, we're introducing the new Dunkin' Rewards program. These are rewards you can really use, free donuts, coffees, breakfast sandwiches, and then you can give those free donuts, coffees, and breakfast sandwiches to someone and say, thanks for what you did, or my bad for that thing that I did. Join Dunkin' Rewards today. Save them, stack them, use them however you want. America runs on Dunkin'. Terms apply. That's going to do it for this edition of the OTP. Remind you, Titans-Broncos Sunday at Nissan Stadium. We actually have Titans game day on WSMV4 at 1030. Chris Harris, along with Dave McGinnis and me, Mike Keith. At 11 o'clock on Titans Radio, it's Titans Countdown with Amy Wells and Rhett Bryan. And then kickoff at 12.02, Titans and the Broncos, two old AFL foes doing battle in November on Titans Radio. We look forward to having you join us next time for the OTP.